you turn then in your Bible with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're going to begin reading in verse 8 and read through verse 20. Luke 2 verse 8 through verse 20. Again, you know these words, and tonight as uh, I bring the message, uh, there, there may be absolutely a, not a single thing that you've not heard before. Um, but uh, Peter uh, and Paul, you know, they both will say, I write to remind you these things. Uh, God has a good purpose, brothers and sisters, in calling us back again and again uh, to the, the basic truths, the wonderful truth of the gospel, of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. And so just really encourage you tonight to keep your, the, um, your ears open and the eyes of your heart open so that you can receive in a particular way tonight God's good news for you. Uh, Luke chapter 2, let's begin reading to verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's ask the Lord to bless us. Well, God in heaven, your word is living, it's dynamic, it is such precious good news. And Father, I, I pray that tonight we could delight in it, that we would hear your love for us, that we would hear your concern for us, your care for us, and your mighty uh, in intervention into this world in Jesus Christ to save us to the uttermost. <clears throat> so, Father, I pray for your, your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. We come tonight to the wonderful good news of the Christmas story. Martin Luther once said well that God came much nearer to save us than the devil did to ruin us. The devil came near to ruin us, right? He came to Adam and Eve in the garden and uh, had a conversation with Eve and, and by his deception and uh, he was able to lead her into sin. And the devil has been at work ever since leading people into sin. But the devil, ne- the devil never loved us. <clears throat> the devil never had our good in mind. The devil never cared for us at all. 
Uh, His intent was to destroy us since we are made in the image and likeness of God our Father. But Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, the one who formed Adam and Eve from the dust of the ground, the one who made them in his own likeness and image and gave them the calling in the world to serve as his stewards and servants, to bring glory and praise to him, that very Jesus against whom Adam and Eve and all of their posterity rebelled, that very Jesus was willing for love's sake, to become man. One day, we're going to get a sense of the astonishing nature of that truth. Today, being men, uh, men and women, it's all that we know. One day, we're going, to, we're going to have a sense of the vast difference between the glory of God and what it means to be a creature, though made in His likeness. But Luke comes tonight and gives us this story so that we might know that God came so much nearer to save us than the devil ever did to ruin us. Tonight, I'm going to look at just basic things again tonight, the basic story, the basic realities. We're going to see the shepherds, the reality of sin. We're going to see in the appearing of the angels, the reality of God, the reality of holiness. And we're going to see then in the angel song, the reality of the gospel, the reality of glory to God because of His grace for, for people like you and me. I've said this before, I'm not going to take a, long, a great deal of time uh, with it, but when we, when, we, when we hear that the angels uh, appeared one night to shepherds as they were watching their flock by night, again, it sounds very nice to us, it sounds very idyllic. Uh, We've seen the pictures, maybe the paintings, whatever, and um, we have a sense that we know what this is about. uh, Again, a first century reader would have been, particularly a pious reader, would have been immediately surprised, uh, maybe perplexed. This morning we talked about the scandal of grace. Well, here's the scandal of grace writ large once again over the pages of our Bible because uh, shepherds were not the sorts of people that angels should be appearing to. There are other good options. There are godly men like Nicodemus, right, a a leader, religious leader, and a good man, a man who, who understands all the prophecies of the Old Testament. Someone who's been praying for and looking for the Messiah. The shepherds are not, in most likelihood, are not looking for the Messiah. Shepherds, if you remember, were the, um, the sort of the gypsy class, if you know what, that, what that's like. They're the nobodies of this world. Uh, Jewish rabbis had officially classified shepherds as thieves and cheats. Uh, Pharisees taught that a pious person would never buy wool or milk or meat from a shepherd because you're probably buying uh, stolen goods. A rabbinical writing of the day states no position in the world is, is, is as despised as that of a shepherd. They're like mafia. They're gang. They're, they're, they're just not folks that... Um, are pious. They're, they're not godly people. They're, they're not on, the, on that hillside longing for the Messiah to appear. And so here again we find God doing the unexpected, doing what we would never have, have, have imagined. God is going gonna, is gonna to make known the, the most significant redemptive action in the history of the world. Nothing comes close. He is, he is going to announce... The birth of Jesus Christ, God in flesh, the Messiah now incarnate in human form and likeness to save the world. And he announces it to shepherds. 
to, to gang members, to the mafia, whatever. What, you just think of bad guys, these are, that's, that's the shepherds. Now, why would God do that? Why, what is it about God that we, we see this propensity to go to the nobodies, to go to the, the um, well, not just the people who are somewhat stained and who've made a mess of things. Why, why the shepherds? And I, and I think the only answer is because God is intent to reveal His glory. God wants people to see the glory of His full, free, forgiving grace. That, that Jesus is, is coming as a Savior for sinners. And God is delighted in that message. And God is doing everything that He can to make clear that message. Jesus is not coming to help the moral uh, people. He's not coming to help those who don't need a physician. He's come for dead people. He's come for, for people who can't possibly rescue themselves. People who've blown it on every level, in every way. People who have no chance of rectifying their, their moral status or their, their position before God. Who are under the law, under the judgment of the law, condemned to death and cannot fix it. God says, those are the ones I want to announce this to. They'll get it. They'll understand So we see just the reality of the gospel, the reality of sin, of God's grace for sinners as God announces this incredible good news to shepherds. And we see in the story the reality of God, the reality of holiness, because we read an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. Again, these men, um, they're just out on the hill, It's, it's dark. They're watching the sheep, probably in a, some sort of enclosure. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appears. Someone who stands in the very presence of God. And we read that the glory of the Lord is shown around them. The, the glory of God is the, the weightiness of God, the perfections of God, the beauty of God, the, the significance, the overwhelming reality of God. It is the angels have this uh, glory about them as as the angel appears, and they were sore afraid. Absolutely, they would be uh, sore afraid. They would be terrified. Now, these are, in almost all likelihood, Jewish men. They know the stories. They know about God. They would profess to believe in God the same way many profess to believe in God today. They, under, they, they would uh, believe that He exists, that He's the God of the Jews. But in, in, in most likelihood, right, they, they're living with God resting very lightly upon their life, very lightly upon their world and upon their consciousness. As they go about living their life as shepherds, there's no sense of the presence of God, the reality of God. They believe in him, but in a very generic sort of way. And then suddenly, there's an angel of God and the glory of God. And the Greek emphasizes it by saying they were made extremely afraid with great fear. Mega fear. They're just undone. Exactly as you see Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. In, in, in one moment, just think of what's happened. One moment, they're just they're th- sitting there, standing there, sleeping. Who knows what they were doing? 
And, and if there's anything on their mind, it's the things of this world, whatever it might be just going through their heart, through their mind. It, it's all temporal. It's just here. It's now. And suddenly, you see, the reality of eternity opens up in front of them. The, the, the reality of divine things invades their world. And they're terrified because they're suddenly in the presence of glory, the glory of God himself. They're terrified of judgment. Who can stand in the presence of God? One of the things that we need to pray that happens to us at Christmas time is the re, just the, the, the overwhelming reality of God has invaded this world. Because God can rest lightly upon our lives and lightly upon our minds and our hearts and the way we go about our life day to day. But, but we live in a God-invaded world. And Jesus has not only come, he's coming again. And God is present and God is active. We need to see the reality of God. But the story is most beautifully the reality of a, about the reality of a Savior. These men were certain they were going to die. Everyone who would meet an angel uh, would, would have thought that. Who can stand in God's presence and live? Who can endure the holiness of God? And yet the angel comes with great news. I bring you good news of great joy. They were mega terrified. The angel says, I have good news of mega joy, magnificent joy. That will be for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Fear not. What a wonderful thing for an angel to say. And not just trying to calm their emotion, but he has a message of peace for them, that there's no need to fear. Because they, they, they have a message, a beautiful message about the Messiah, the one that was promised all throughout the Old Testament, but even back in the Garden of Eden, as God promises that he's going to send one who's going to crush the serpent's head. <clears throat> that one, the angel says, has now come. And it's for them, for them. One of the things that um, I've just been noticing is you see uh, maybe... Um, I don't know, Facebook or uh, just internet, and you see clips of, I just saw one recently, of um, some wealthy businessman gave a bunch of police officers uh, several thousand dollars in $100 bills. I don't know if you saw that. I think it was down in Missouri. It's it sort of happened here in Lowell, too, but down, in, down I think it was down, down south. And so uh, these police officers go out with $100 bills. It's from Secret Santa. I think he gives out like $100,000 or something. It's a, it's a, it's a significant amount. And so the police officers pull people over, and they're looking, and the, the man instructed them, I want you to look for, uh, you know, cars that are banged up and beat up and rusted out, and uh, people who just look like they're sort of down in their luck. Uh, just pull those, those people over. And so that's what, he, that's, what, that's what they do. And you see videos of, of police officers, and these people are not happy. Um, one lady is on her phone talking to her, talk to her husband, and the police officer walks up, and, yeah, I just got pulled over. I wasn't doing a single thing wrong. I have no idea what's going on. She's, not, she's very upset. And he says, um, I just want to pull you over and wish you a Merry Christmas, and, and here's a little something to, to help out. And she just dissolves into a puddle of tears. And that's what happened just all over. I mean, people would just, they would just, uh, some are saying, you just saved my Christmas. And others are saying, I... Um, they're just overwhelmed at this utterly unexpected gift of $100. But the kind, because you see, the, what were they expecting? They were expecting a ticket. 
They were expecting, you know, yeah, the headlight's been out for, you know, two months, and I've been meaning to get it fixed, and I'm getting pulled over, and I always speed down this road, and I know I didn't stop at the stop sign, and and who knows, maybe there's a warrant out for their arrest. Who knows, right? They're expecting judgment, but they don't get judgment. They get a $100 bill and a Merry Christmas. These shepherds are not expecting good news. They're, an angel is shown, and they're full of sin. They know that they're sinful. They know what they deserve. And yet the angel comes with this incredible good news of great joy that, that a Savior is born to you. You realize that if an angel would show right now that our response would be identical? If, if, an, if an angel of God would appear and you knowing who you are and knowing what you've done and knowing what you've said and knowing what you've thought and knowing how you failed, if an angel of God appeared and the glory of God was all around, do you, do you think you'd just run up and give him a hug, Gabriel? You would not. You would not. You would be filled with great fear. God has invaded your life. God is here. Holiness is present. And yet, friends, it is exactly there that God speaks to you. When you see your sin, you know your sin. You know your failure. You understand that you don't deserve grace. And yet God pours grace all over you in Jesus Christ, in this, gorgeous, in this glorious good news. What a, what a precious story for sinners and we want to believe it's true. I, I, Keller has this. I, I love this quote. Keller, Tim Keller writes, Why do fairy tales like Beauty and the Beast and myth stories like Lord of the Rings have such cultural staying power? Why are these stories passed on from generation to generation? Because they speak of things we hope for and things we wish were true. Everyone understands that the Beauty and the Beast didn't actually happen, but we hope that the story it tells is true. We hope that no matter how disfigured we are by our sins and our past, that there is the possibility of glorious redemption through the love of another. The Lord of the Rings is a majestic tale of good and evil, and we want to believe that the story it tells is true, that justice will prevail and evil will be destroyed, and those under its power can be set free. We want to believe that there is a majestic city with great white towers where the rightful king will reign, and those who have been saved from evil can be welcomed home. We want to believe it's true. We sense that we must, we must be saved. We must be saved. And friends, the gospel is the good news that we have been saved. That's what makes Christmas so precious, so beautiful. We have been saved. We can be saved. Maybe tonight you're here and you just sense the reality of your sin and it's crushing you. You've blown it so many times. And your besetting sin and just the wickedness within you has spilled out and and deeply wounded other people's lives. It's hard for you to believe that there could be good news for you, but friend, you need to hear me. The Christmas story is good news for sinners just like you. And maybe you're a Christian for a long time, and yet your, 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 your weakness is, is just weighing upon you. And you wonder, how long do you have to battle this, this, this fight, this fight with sin, this fight with yourself, this, this fight with brokenness around you and within you? How long? And friends, the Christmas story is calling you to hold on 
and to believe that Jesus Christ has come to save you and to save you all the way through, to save you to the end and to the uttermost. Luke wrote this story to Theophilus because he wanted Theophilus to be absolutely convinced that these things are true and God wants you to be convinced that these things are true, that the Christmas story is not just a nice story. It's not a... It's not just a religious story. There's not a shred of fairy tale about it. There's no myth about it. It is the absolutely true story of God himself, the God who created you, loving you, and magnifying the glory of his grace for you in Jesus Christ. And that's why the angels sing. I think they sing particularly because the message went to shepherds. And they see the glory of God's unexpected ways and the, magnif- the magnificence of His grace. And so, you see, they, they don't sing because they've rehearsed this. Right? They don't say, okay, now we're going to first, we're going to go to the shepherds, and then after we say our thing, uh, then you guys, you come and join us, and we'll all, right? This is not rehearsed. They're not putting on a show. The angel announces as a messenger of God, the good news of the Messiah. And I don't think the angels can help it. How could they not sing as they see, they know who Jesus is. They've seen his glory at the right hand of the Father. They they were there when he created the world. They're observers of human history. They know who he is. They know who we are. And, And when the angel announces this and it actually takes place, They have to sing. They have to respond. And they they, they sing the only appropriate song, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God. Can you imagine the thunderous anthem? We don't know how many were there. This is the hosts of heaven. Daniel speaks of thousands upon thousands attend him. John, in the book of Revelation, I saw thousands of thousands and ten thousands of ten thousands. This magnificent host thundering this anthem of praise. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God. Glory to God. It's exactly the right song. God is worthy of His praise. God in His acts of salvation has made known the character of His heart. The beauty of both of His holiness and His mercy. His justice and His love. And so there's this irresistible response to God's grace and His love and His power and His justice. And friend, if you've tasted the truth of the gospel, you know, the, you know that urge to give glory to God. Have you ever just experienced that desire to, to praise God? Just praise God. Glory to God. Praise your name, God. Magnify your name. Make me nothing, absolutely nothing. Make you everything. Make Jesus everything. Let this world, the whole world become nothing if if only Jesus Christ can be magnified, if God can be praised. You sense that when you see God at work, both in the gospel and God at work in real life. I see God... Restoring marriages that to all intent and purposes ought to be absolutely blown to bits. And what, what do you say? Glory to God. Glory to God. 
I say young people, the world is screaming at them to serve themselves and serve their flesh and, and run after the things that the world offers. And, and yet they want to serve God. They want to, they want to know Him. What do you say in response to that? But glory to God. I see people who were willing to leave a church that they love to go and plant another church and take up that that hard work of church planting and losing things in the process. And a church willing to let them go, to see them go, and to to bear the, the hurt of that. And yet, God is at work in it. God's at work. I received a letter just this week from someone who known for a while, he's a member here, and just writing a note of praise to God, how God is, is so magnificently breaking his proud heart and, and changing him and making him a, just a humble man, a grateful man. I think you have to have a pretty hard heart not to read something like that and, and just say, oh God, glorify your name. Glorify your name, God, as you work in the lives of your people, as you build up your church. Glorify your name. I hope that tonight, I hope that you have that song in your heart. I hope that you have that desire. I hope you have that sense that God is at work in your life. God's at work in your, in your family. God's at work in the church God's at work in this world. That this, this Christmas story is the most amazing, shocking, um, revolutionary, glorious message the world has ever known. That God, friends, has come. And we want to respond then like the shepherds did. What did they do? First they went to see. Let's go see for ourselves this thing that's happened. And they, with haste, you notice there's a lot of haste in the gospel story. Mary, with haste, went to see Elizabeth. The shepherds, with haste, they didn't dawdle. They made a beeline for Bethlehem. We have got to see this thing. Maybe that's your mission tonight. Maybe that's what God is calling you to do, to make haste. You've been dawdling with things of God. You've been dawdling with the things of of Christian faith. You've been dawdling with Jesus Christ. And it's time, friend, maybe for you to make haste and go and see for yourself, is this true or not? Decide, is 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 this the truth for you? Is this God's message for you? Or is your life going to be found out there in the world. Make haste. Make haste. And when they did, they went and they saw it exactly as the angel told them. No one who makes haste to go and see if it's true ever walks away disappointed or disillusioned. It is true. Exactly as God has said. And they left that place glorifying and praising God. And that's exactly how we should leave this place tonight. Glorifying and praising God. A Savior has been born. A King has come. King of kings, Lord of lords, His kingdom is forever. His dominion will never fail. And it's a reign of love, it's a reign of grace, and it's a reign for sinners. For sinners like you. Sinners like me. And one day, friends, we're going to enter that celestial sin, that celestial city. Those who know this Lord Jesus Christ, those who believe in Him, those who love Him, we're going to walk into that celestial city, we're going to see the white towers. We're going to see the King there in all of His beauty. The hymn says it so well. We're a, we're a well-spent journey if there were seven deaths between us and Jesus. Because the Lamb is all the glory. To Him be all the glory in Emmanuel's land.
Friend, do you believe it? Then let's sing. Amen. Well, Father in heaven, I thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you that Jesus came to shepherds and for sinners. And that grace is full and rich and deep. It's able to wash away all of our sin, all of my sin. It's able, oh God, to make us new, transformed. It's able one day to raise us up in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ with glorified hearts and souls and minds to be in His presence, to be in union and communion with Him forever, to dwell in that holy city, the new heaven and the new earth. So, Father, we we pray that tonight You would give us the grace to believe it, to trust it, to rejoice in it, to sing. Oh, God, thank You that we can sing. And we look forward to that day when we will do so with just purified souls and minds and bodies and perfect voices. But Lord, until then, keep us singing, keep us trusting as we wait for Jesus Christ to come again. We pray in his name, amen.